The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We welcome you to Marsh Chapel on this Sunday as we join together in scripture and song in praise of God. Whether you are seated here in the nave of the chapel, listening live via WBUR at 90.9 FM in the greater Boston area, listening over the internet at WBUR.org or listening later via podcast, please know that you are a valued part of our community. My name is the Reverend Dr. Karen Coleman, and I have the pleasure of serving as the Associate Chaplain for Episcopal Ministry here at Marsh Chapel. Our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, is traveling this week and sends his warm regards to each of you. Today we gather for the first Sunday after Epiphany. Our preacher today is Marsh Chapel's own newly minted PhD, Dr. Jessica Chica. <laughs> Dr. Chica serves as the university chaplain for international students. Her dissertation title is God, Self, Humanity, Earth. Christian Ecological Ethics in Local Context. We gather today in worship to worship God and be reminded of the divine gifts of grace and love which join us together in the body of Christ. Let us stand as we are able in praise of God.
Father in heaven, who at the baptism of Jesus in the river Jordan proclaimed him your beloved Son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit, grant that all who are baptized into his name may keep the covenant they have made and boldly confess him as Lord and Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, in glory everlasting. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 1 through 7. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. 
I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from the Acts of the Apostle, chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. The two went down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet the Spirit had not come upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsively Psalm 29 with the Antiphon. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare, and in his temple all say, Glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. And now, beloved, rise up, in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, for the singing of the Gloria Deo and the reading of the Gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 3, verses 15 through 17 and 21 through 22. Glory to you, O Lord. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Good morning. What a pleasure it is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with you on this first Sunday after the Epiphany. Now, I know as we emerge from our holiday season and back into the reality of our everyday lives, the transition can be a rough one. Last Sunday, we heard the story of the wise men's arrival at the manger and Reverend Gaskell's explanation of the subject of hospitality in light of that. However, there was also something else that happened on the epiphany that gave it its name. Namely, the wise men shared in a moment of joy when they reached the manger, indicated by a star overhead. This was the wise men's epiphany the aha moment that helped them realize the presence of God in Jesus' birth. In the church, the season of Epiphany contains scripture readings from the beginning of Jesus' life and ministry. In everyday use, an epiphany usually refers to that aha moment when we realize something or make a connection, something that we didn't know before. Similarly, in the church, throughout these weeks following the wise men's own aha moment, we continue to explore what Jesus' ministry means to the world, and what effect it has on our own understandings of what it means to be a Christian. Today we celebrate Jesus' baptism and the ritual of baptism as a sacrament of our church. Our gospel reading today places us in a scene of John the Baptist explaining that he is not the Messiah and that his acts of baptism are insignificant in comparison with the Messiah's form of baptism. Jesus then comes to be baptized along with others in the Jordan. There's no mention that John is the one who actually performs the baptism. In fact, the verses that are left out of our gospel reading today, John is actually imprisoned by Herod. The baptism of the others and Jesus are just said to have happened. The focus in Jesus' baptism is on God's actions and the words after his baptism. In it, we see a sign of God's presence through the descent of the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove and God naming Jesus as the beloved with whom God is well pleased. Talk about an aha moment, the voice of God speaking to those gathered and a figure of a dove descending from the sky must have been quite a sight to see. The act of submersion in the water and God's declaration and presence makes Jesus' baptism an act of significance. It affirms that Jesus is the one that John has been telling the people about. Jesus is the one who comes to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
Martin Luther wrote that it is of the greatest importance that we regard baptism as an excellent, glorious, and exalted. To be baptized in God's name is to be baptized not by human beings, but by God himself. Baptism reinforces the relationship that God shares with God's people. It is an indication of the unconditional love and grace that God extends. However, we must understand that this external act only represents what is eternal in God. It is important for our baptism, this ritual, to be performed in a physical way because it helps us to understand through our senses what God offers to us in a relationship of faith. Luther again writes in the large catechism that the act of baptism must be external so that it can be perceived and grasped by the senses and thus brought into the heart. Baptism helps us to further understand the grace of God in ways that we can touch, see, and hear. I bet most of us don't have, didn't have the same baptismal moment as Jesus. I bet many of us don't even remember our baptisms as we may have been infants or small children at that time. I don't remember the actual day of my baptism, almost 36 years ago to the day. It was January 23rd, 1983. Um, it was in my father's church in Pennsylvania. Sure, I have tokens of remembrance from that day. In fact, my mom just sent me pictures of the baptismal candle that they lit on that day. It's a white taper with a silver A at the top indicating alpha and a blue triangle of wax just underneath with a white dove superimposed on it. Having grown up in the church as a pastor's kid, though, I remember many other infant baptisms. Beyond the act of the baptism itself, it served as a way for the congregation to welcome a new member into the community. In particular, what sticks out in my mind is the presentation of the newly baptized babies to the congregation. I can remember my father, the pastor, addressing the congregation by saying, I present to you your new brother or sister in Christ and the child's name. My dad would walk up and down the aisles of the church, letting all of the congregation mem members see and greet their new, uh, their new family members in the body of Christ. While I can't remember this from my own baptism, having seen it and being reminded of what probably happened at my baptism gives me a sense of how I also belonged to that community. You or I might also have photos or a baptismal certificate or even just stories of the day we were baptized that remind us it happened if we were too young to remember. Beyond that day, those who sponsored us our, or our parents made promises to remind us of our baptism and what it means to be entered in the community of Christians. Baptism comes in many different shapes and forms depending on the traditions we come from. As I already mentioned, some churches believe in infant baptism, that small children should be baptized and welcomed into the Christian community based on their parents or other adult sponsors' promises to guide and involve them in the church. Others of us may have come from traditions that wait for children to be older or even adults before they are able to make the choice to be baptized. Some of us may have been completely immersed in water, while others may have just had a sprinkling or a trickle of water placed on our forehead. Our baptism may have taken place inside, at a font or in a baptistry, or outside in a body of water like a river or a lake, or in the case of Marsh Chapel in an inflatable children's pool behind the building. Despite many, the many forms of Christianity which exist, 
We all share in the importance of baptism as an act which brings members into our communities. In an ecumenical setting, such as our interdenominational worship here at Marsh Chapel, baptism serves as a way of binding us together in our faith. The things that matter most about all of our baptisms, despite how they were performed, was the presence of water and the words spoken, baptizing us in the name of the triune God. It is the combination of these, the water and the words, that make baptism an act which differs from regular washing. Again, as Luther writes in the response to the question, what is baptism in the large catechism, it is not simply plain water, but water placed in the setting of God's word and commandment and made holy by them. It is out of the baptismal waters that we emerge as new people who belong to God. We tend to think of baptism as a one-time event, and in a way it is. For most mainline Protestant denominations, only one baptism is acknowledged. Some traditions, like Methodism and Lutheranism, recognize baptism as a sacrament, meaning meaning a, a sign of God's grace. The other sacrament that these traditions acknowledge is that of Holy Communion or the Lord's Supper. These two acts remind us of the relationship and connection we have with God. However, the act of baptism only needs to occur once because we live into the relationship we name with God throughout our lives. We might be reminded of our baptism when we worship or even reaffirm our baptism later in life, but the covenant established with God through our baptism only needs to happen once for it to extend throughout our whole lives. God's grace knows no bounds. Even if we rebel and reject God, God continues to extend grace to each of us. Through faith, we acknowledge this connection. Our baptism is an act which only occurs once in a lifetime, but our lives are forever formed and informed by by it. Baptism affords us the opportunity to be welcomed into the community of Christians who profess the same faith as us through this ritual act. The sacraments of baptism and the Eucharist give us a tangible sign of God's presence in the world that we can hold on to and cling to in moments of doubt and from which our faith can grow. It causes us to come together as a community to learn and grow with one another in our individual callings as children of God and as a community of faith. We may ask what happens if we are baptized but do not have faith in God. Our baptism is not dependent on how well we live into our faith. The only thing that baptism is dependent upon is the word of God. That means if we falter, if we turn away from God, if we fail to live out our callings as Christians, God is still there for us and loves us. Human beings have no control over the extension of God's grace. Our relationship with God through our baptism is eternal. The grace of God is unearned and freely given. So what does baptism mean for us beyond the act of it itself? How do we live out our baptism in our everyday lives? Remember how I said that the definition of epiphany is often referred to as an aha moment? Well, what if we looked at the start of this new calendar year as an aha moment for what our baptism means in our lives? If we took the time to really think about what it means to be in relationship with God and how we can express that throughout our lives, do you think we may come across some aha moments then? To be honest, I didn't come up with connecting the aha-ness of epiphany with how we live out our baptism. 
My church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, connected uh, the act of baptism to this time of year in a quest to better understand the forms of discipleship we are called to undertake as Christians. They connect discipleship with the words used in the affirmation of baptism found in our worship liturgy. The following question is asked of those reaffirming their commitment through their baptism. Do you intend to continue in the covenant you made in holy baptism? To live among God's faithful people? To hear the word of God and share in the Lord's Supper? To proclaim the good news of God in Christ through word and deed? to serve all people following the example of Jesus, and to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. Those reaffirming their baptisms respond with, I do, and I ask God to help me. Now, I may be biased, or more accurately, I am biased, but these statements of faith lay out ways in which we can hold ourselves responsible to the promises made in our covenant. To live, to hear, to proclaim, to serve, and to strive. In thinking about the ways we live among God's people, we may immediately turn to our worshiping community. Here at Marsh Chapel, we are afforded the opportunity to not only learn from other members of our congregation in a shared denominational identity, but to learn from other members of our Christian community who may not come from the same tradition as us. Living among God's people can also be understood as those others we encounter who have come to help shape our faith or our understanding of God. We may recall a time when we feel inspired by another's commitment to faith or encouragement in our own faith by a person or people within our faith community. Perhaps we find this connection through an invitation to participate in a worship service or sing in the choir or have a conversation after worship which leads to new ideas or new ways of thinking about the world. Living among God's people continues to shape and form our lives and seeking out ways to deepen and enact our faith in the world. We hear the word of God most often in our worship setting. Each week we listen as the readings and the gospel are read and then interpreted for us by the preacher. We may be most acutely aware of our connection with the divine when we come together in worship through hearing the scriptures, singing hymns, and praying together for the good of the whole world and our community. We also celebrate the Lord's Supper together as a community during worship. As I mentioned earlier, the sacrament of Holy Communion is another way we experience God's grace with our senses. Through hearing the words of institution, seeing the bread and wine, touching and tasting it, we are reminded of God's presence with us. Without this grounding connection, it may become easier for us to forget what our relationship with God really means to us. By worshiping with others, we further the bonds of our community and come to understand the ways the scripture can shape our lives. We are fortified with the means of grace offered to us through communing with one another. We also bring our faith outside of our worshiping, worshiping community into the fullness of our lives. In proclaiming the good news of God in Christ, both in word and deed, we demonstrate what it means to be a Christian. We might find this to be a harder facet of discipleship to take on because it requires us to be vulnerable in a larger society which may or may not share our values. It means saying things like, as a Christian, I believe, or Jesus teaches us. These may not be phrases we're used to or comfortable with. 
but proclaiming our faith helps us to elucidate and explain who we are in relationship with God, which then consequently deepens our faith. What does it mean to be a proclaimer of God's faith in both word and deed for you? How can you share that information with others in a way that will inspire them to understand what your life of faith is like? Being in service to others as Jesus was in service to others naturally evolves out of the proclamation of the good news of God in Christ because our actions in the world stem out of our faith in God. There are times, however, when this call to service creates problems for us. We are called to serve all others as Jesus exemplified for us. This means serving those who we may not agree with, who, those who we'd rather not acknowledge, and those who are outside of our comfort zones. We must remember, though, that serving others connects us with the divine through sharing God's love explained through the gospel and shown in our actions. In service to others, we develop relationships that can help strengthen our communities and create opportunities for learning and growing individually and as a community. Finally, the last form of discipleship mentioned in the affirmation of baptism is to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. This may feel like a tall order. What does it mean to strive for justice and peace, and how can we hope to accomplish such lofty goals at a personal, personal or even communal level? A good place to begin is in recognizing the injustices which exist in the world around us and the parts we might play, either directly or indirectly, in perpetuating them. We should also name injustices when we see them occurring and look for ways that we can prevent them from continuing. Injustice can happen at any scale, from local to global, and can affect individual people, whole communities, and even the entire Earth. We hear a lot about injustice in the world today, and we may feel helpless in trying to address what seem like unsolvable problems. However, through finding our grounding in God and in our community and faith, we can find the hope that overcomes fear and let it guide us in our care and concern for the world. Live, hear, proclaim, serve, and strive. These are all parts of our faith grounded in our baptism, which can guide us forward in living out what it means to be a Christian in the world. In discussing baptism in the large catechism, one more time, Luther writes, Therefore, let all Christians regard their baptism as the daily garment that they are to wear all the time. If we want to be Christians, we must practice the work that makes us Christian. Luther reminds us that living our lives through our baptism cultivates our faith in God and helps us to recognize the important relationship we share with God and the world. In this time after Epiphany, I invite you to share in examining what your baptism means to you and how you can more fully live it out. Ask God to help and guide you through this process. Perhaps you will surprise yourself with an aha moment. Amen.
Please be seated. We now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer. Lead me, Lord. Creator of the universe, we seek you in this moment as we are, turbulent combinations of particle and wave, flesh and spirit, fears and hopes, sorrows and joys. We seek you in prayer, knowing that all this turbulence encompasses us, in all of us, in our messiness, are of you and have our being grounded in you. We pray that we may accept the turbulence that our lives encompass taking our moments day by day and accepting all of it. We pray for the peace to accept what is out of our control and that we would know when our drive for control can feed into our turbulence in destructive ways. We pray for the courage to bring meaningful and constructive change into our world where we see we can for the betterment of all who, grounded in you, encompass Christ just as we do. Source, we pray that we would act as Christ to all we encounter, living into the elements and rituals that grasp at the realities of our humanity and the divinity within it. We pray that we would seek perception and perspective so that we may understand the differences between what should be accepted and what should be changed. Through the new being within us, we pray for clarity within the turbulence that encompasses not only us but also our societies, communities, and cultures. In the midst of language that divides, instills fears, and seeks to amplify hatred, we pray that our understanding of the Christ within all our fellow human beings would eclipse this amplification. In the midst of cultural shifts that seek to simplify diversity or take it for granted, we pray that we would see how our differences encompass the depth of reality you bring forth into the human experience, so that through the spirit we may stand for the other who expresses the depth of our reality differently. In the midst of all this turbulence, we shift our focus onto the beauty within the messiness of it all, praying these words in the name of the one who, as particle and wave, flesh and spirit, fears and hopes, sorrows and joys, took on the cross to embrace the entirety of the turbulence, 
to magnify your place in all our hearts. It is in this one's name, Christ, we pray. Amen. And as our Savior Christ has taught us, we now pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew and passing that book along to your neighbors so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. As opposed to previous weeks when we've mostly been announcing that there's not much to announce, this week there is. Children in the chapel are invited to join our ministry assistant for children's education, Mahalia Dam, during the final hymn uh, to head outside and downstairs for children's education, which begins again this week. We also note that those of you interested in uh, becoming involved in our Sunday morning book study are welcome to pick up a schedule for that study and uh, the book for the semester, Martin Luther King Jr.'s Strength to Love, in the chapel office, uh, that study group begins imminently. Next Sunday, we uh, look forward to welcoming you back here to Marsh Chapel as we kick off the university's annual celebration of the life and legacy of our greatest alumnus, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., our very own associate chaplain for Episcopal ministry, the Reverend Dr. Karen Coleman, will be preaching next Sunday for that service. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to meditate on O.C. Christensen's setting, Light Everlasting. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
source of all life, the heaven and earth are yours. Yet you have given us dominion over all things. Receive the fruits of our labor offered in love. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. May God help and guide us to live among God's faithful people. Hear the word of God and share in the Lord's Supper. Proclaim the good news of God in Christ through word and deed. Serve all people through the example of Jesus and strive for justice and peace in all the earth. Amen. Amen. 